Social distancing chat, pre-host. Have you been uh, practicing any of that? I know you were on vacation. Yeah, I, I, I have been. Distancing myself from you, apparently. It's hard yeah. to run into people when you're stuck in traffic. So according to... Oh. What is this? Inrix, right? They're a traffic firm. Sounds yeah. Fun. They, Americans lost 99 hours per year due to traffic congestion. Costs uh, $1,377 per drivers. Boston, I know this all too well. Worst area for congestion. Losing 149 hours because of traffic congestion. That's nothing. I mean, I, lo- I lose that much time just listening to Taylor Swift's I Did Something Bad every year. It's a bad time for any type of congestion. Seasonal allergies. I yeah. Was, I was leaving my apartment. And um, I take Claritin for, like, the pollen that's in the air. Oh. But I was still, like, <clears throat> you know, like, going like that. And this lady, she runs into the elevator, and she starts hammering the buttons to, to get it like a horror movie. She yeah. was afraid I was, like, she started hearing the, like, ch- 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 as I'm, like, going down the hallway, like, running towards it. And she's hitting, close, close, close. And I'm, like, no, like, Terminator <laughs> 2, just ripping the thing open. So you're one of the people that people are, like, gathering their children up a little tighter. Yeah, they and are. And Clutching from. the pearls. Gotta yeah. stay away from, uh. Right, but it's a tough time to have um, to have uh, any type of disease like that. But you were doing the social distancing a little bit. I, I'm trying, but like Nick, weatherman Nick Austin sits right next to me here at Freight Waves. I mean, the dude sneezes about every 13 minutes. He says it's just allergies, but I'm like, dude, it's people, not. It's not the time for that. I know that's a, that's what I'm saying. It's an awful time for people <laughs> who have seasonal allergies. Yeah. Looks at you like you're a leper, or you're trying to like infect them with the plague. Well, you know what it is a special time for? Do you, I mean, I, not, not not to self-congratulate too much, but oh. this is the second year, the second oh. anniversary. This is two years ago to the day yeah. what the truck came into existence. Wow. Yeah. March yeah. 9th, 2018. Wonder what it'll look like three years from now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just try to get through today. Yeah, we'll give that news another time. Yeah. But, uh, oh, everyone got what the truck a little bit faster, too. Clocks went an hour forward. Don't know if I like it. Felt a little too early this morning it's when I woke up. It's 2 o'clock somewhere. Yep. This episode is brought to you by Lean Staffing Solutions. They are the pioneers of transportation and logistics nearshoring. Struggling to hire, retain, and train every level of entry-level employees? Yeah. Lean Staffing can save you time and money with the ability to scale your business at a fraction of the cost. To learn more, tell them, Chad. LeanStaffing.com. Yeah, what's in the news? Oh, not good news. A lot not of bad good. news. A lot Anyone's, of bad news. Yeah, everyone's been checking their stocks, checking their Robinhood, checking everything, checking their 401k, checking their head, making sure everything's fine, <laughs> rubbing their eyes. Stock market, big decline, right? Yes. Tell uh, us about it. Well, what are they right here? There are winners and losers in any market, but right now, the idea that lower gasoline prices are going to put more cash in workers' pockets and give consumers spending an economy of boost doesn't seem to cushion a blow for stock market investors. They want out big time. The sky is falling. That's Chris Rupke from Mitsubishi UFJ Financial Group's chief financial economist in an email to Yahoo Finance. That gets people to start selling, doesn't it? Yeah, it's scary. Dow plummeted 1,800 points at the opening. It tripped the circuit breakers at the New York Stock Exchange halting Exchange for over three hours. Yikes. I mean, sorry, 15 minutes. S&P was down, S&P 500 was down 7%. That that stopped trading uh, another 13%. Ah, geez. It's it's tough times. My Robinhood was down too. It's the third time Robinhood's been down in three weeks. I still haven't done a big sell-off though. I'm more in- Don't sell. Buy mode. Yeah, you're going to be, yes. Stay in that buy mode. Everybody. Stay. It's okay. Just keep calm. According to CNN, this is uh, not unprecedented. Far from it. We're trying to give you some good news here. 
during the Great Depression, for instance, all the way back then, and on Black Monday in 1987 and during the Great Recession, stocks fell by much more. That's not exactly maybe a comforting thought, but it helps, you know, put today's 6% decline into context. For instance, October 19th, 1987, it fell negative 20.467% sooner. And uh, also, you know, it it was bad in the, well, I mean, the 1920s, you know, we had a couple of terrible days in 1929 and 1935. Also, 2008, it fell by 9%. So not a good year. This was wine. That wouldn't be the bottle you'd want to drink. The Dow Jones Mm. Transportation Index was also down 6%. Um, it's still sitting under 5%. That tracks United Airlines, Delta, Southwest, American, a number of other transportation uh, stocks. It has plunged 26% from its 52-week high that hit in January. JetBlue, they've pulled their financial guidance for the year. So just, just terrible situations. Everything looked good right up until a couple weeks into January and this coronavirus thing. It just has not lifted. We've it, it, Each week, we talk a little bit more and more about it. It's it as if, more and more of the show. I know. It's hard to avoid. And and meanwhile, oil is crashing, mm. right? I mean, so with, with prices plunging more than 25% this morning, markets across the world are in turmoil. Stocks are dropping, 10-year treasury yields are dipping, and currencies are swinging after Saudi Arabia's weekend decision to instigate an oil price war with Russia, uh, reports uh, David Winning. Uh, so uh, oil markets are they're they're plummeting as the business week opens. It's instructive to look at the Saudi-led price wars to see where prices might be heading. And after the collapse last week of the talks between OPEC and non-OPEC group led by Russia, Saudi Arabia let the world know it was planning on pulling the sword out of its sheath oh. and launching an all-out price war. From various reports, it was doing this in two ways. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the IEA said that in its March oil report. Well, the situation remains fluid. They expect global oil demand to fall in 2020, the first full year of decline in more than a decade because of the deep contraction in China, which accounted for more than 80 percent of global oil demand growth in 2019 and major disruptions to travel and trade travel. We we knew immediately was going to be hit by the coronavirus trade we talk about nonstop. Now the big concern, though, is how long might this decline last? Without offering an opinion on Saudi-Russian relationships, it's instructive to know what happened with the Saudi-led price wars of the past. In 1985 to 1986 price war, the decline was the highest settlement before the decline began again in April 1st, 1986, 1986, where the decline was about 66%. It took about five months to resolve all that. Well, wow. And yeah, in 2014 and 16, the price war when Saudi Arabia turned its guns on the U.S. shale sector unsuccessfully, the drop from top to bottom took a lot longer, about 19 to 20 months for a drop of 75%. That saw the price of WTI decline from just over $100 at the end of July 2014 to 26.21 per barrel on February 11th, 2016. So the collapse of uh, oil prices this weekend is a double-edged sword for mm. trucking because lower prices lead to lower diesel prices, Dooner, but which, which is, you know, it's good for trucker, trucker, trucking and brokers as it makes moving goods cheaper and increases profit margins. That's your second sword analogy during this section. You, you had the uh, 
unsheathing the sword, and yeah. now you have the double-edged rapier of... Yeah, that's some good writing right Doom. there is what I'm saying. The lower prices are not good for the economy, for the economy not necessarily, <laughs> especially those areas that are depending on oil revenue. A study from Texas Oil and Gas Association said the industry paid $14 billion in state and local taxes in fiscal year 2018. What am I hearing? Uh, you were hearing your own voice. Oh, okay. And on Sunday, a barrel of crude had fallen in the $30 range. Uh, could could be getting even lower. John Bose said, buy barrels of oil. What do you think? Put them under your, your nightstand. Oh, he did? Yep. Yeah. CBP, they pulled counterfeit electric toothbrush heads from their supply chain. So we're trying to... We're trying to wash our hands and brush our teeth and be good citizens, but now we got yeah. these counterfeit toothbrushes to contend with U.S. Customs Border Protection officers at Philadelphia Airport. They recently intercepted and removed an express shipment of counterfeit electric toothbrush heads that were coming here from Turkey Outrageous. before they end up in the mouths of unwitting American consumers. The 1,400 counterfeit Oral-B electric toothbrush heads, which were destined for an address in Jolette, Illinois, had a manufacturer suggested retail price of $12,000 if genuine. The shipment consisted of 264 packs and 202 packs. Wow. Big deal or little deal? Okay. Genuine. Toothbrush. Uh, CBP officers suspected the toothbrush heads were counterfeit based on the poor packaging and questionable quality of uh, the product. Well, that's only shocking. Like mine. Yeah. Shocking. Uh, I mean, how else would you determine that? The officers contacted the agency's consumer products and mass merchandising centers of excellence and expertise in Atlanta. Mm. Did bet you didn't know they had such a center where trade specialists worked on the oral B trademark holder to determine that the toothbrush heads were counterfeit. CBP seized the shipment on February 24th. They seized the day. CBP warned that counterfeit toothbrush heads pose a health threat to consumers because they're manufactured in unsanitary facilities, Chad. Well, they can do terrible things to your gums and mouth. It says they can cause structural defects. They could detach and people could potentially choke to death if man, they're not using their Oral-B properly. No wonder that's happening. Maybe I'm using a counterfeit one. According to CBP, uh, China, again, they continue to be the primary source for these counterfeit and pirate goods. It's estimated that 66% of all U.S. intellectual property rights seizure with the value of more than a billion dollars is uh, from China. China? What do you know? Hey, you know who? We have a special guest that's going to come in studio today. It is Sabrina Potter. She walked down here down the street from Legacy Logistics. Come on in, talk Sabrina. talk a little bit about what's trending in supply chain. Hi. Hi. Now How are you doing? In supply chain. Good to see ya. Sabrina Potter. She's joining us from down you the street. Put on the uh, cans? Here you go. <laughs> There you go. Very nice. Thanks. Where are you? Uh, where are you here from? Uh, I'm from Legacy Logistics. Here we go. Get We're you right up in there. Brainerd. Okay. Yeah. And what are you guys uh, involved with logistics wise? Um, my niche is hemp. So I wow. deal yeah. everything with CBD, CBG, the clones, biomass. Well, we know a lot. There must be a lot of issues dealing with that, whether it's local, regional, and of course the federal regulations, right? They get that gets in the way of the moving of the hemp. What kinds of issues are you are you dealing with on a regular basis? Um, it's mainly the state regulations going through states because some trucks they can't just go straight from A to B. They have to go through specific. You states. need to talk just a little bit closer to the mic. There too. we go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Your beautiful voice. Thanks. Thanks. Um. Some states that it's not allowed yet, the whole CBD is still frowned upon, especially in the South. I mean, we are the Bible Belt. Yeah. yeah. So um, we do run into it where trucks can get stopped 
in between, but we have all of our T's crossed and I's and the legal documents, so usually we can get back on the road pretty easily. It, may I ask another question? Go for it. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I know we kind of go back and forth sometimes, but um, this, is it harder to deal with C, CB, CP, CBD? CBD. <laughs> is it, CBD. Is it harder to deal with that than like other kinds of hemp, or is it easier because they're kind of a little bit more people are like 70 year old grandmothers are using CBD, right? Like it's mm-hmm. more commonly accepted. I, you're not, you're not seeing a difference. Anything that looks no. like, anything that looks like it'd be like real weed is, is just problematic. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is it's like clones where it's the whole plant. So if they were to get stopped, it looks, the majority can't tell the difference between oh. if it's marijuana oh. or right. That, so. It's going to oh. be a tough business. So how do you go about selling brokerage service for this? I know you probably face a ton of questions for people wondering about moving these goods interstate. We all heard about the Idaho truckers uh, last year who got moving busted. industrial moving hemp, right? Hemp. So people are a little bit more concerned, more cautious, a little bit of a risky business. So what do you tell people? Um, I mean, we have a $1 million insurance on each load. So, wow. yeah, that's one thing that we offer that the majority of people don't offer. So if something were to happen, I mean, you can move up to a million dollars worth on a 53-footer. Is that is that expensive insurance-wise? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that expensive for, like, the street value of... Whenever they pull... If they pulled over, like, a 53-foot trailer of, like, chronic, they would say that it was, like, millions and millions of dollars, right? Of street right, value. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then they would make it a bigger bigger sounding deal well, than it might really be. Who comes up with the street value of CBD? I guess the invoice, right? It's actually a legit invoice. It's not a street value, right? Because it's, it's not a street value now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you still can't sell it off a, I don't know, rag. How do you <laughs> how do you deal with it with uh, like the banking part of things? With like, is oh it a yeah, cash only transaction? Are you allowed to have actual uh, accounts? Who's who's handling that? We've heard that there are issues related to that. I mean, the majority get handle like any other freight oh okay um there are some where you know if you have a lump sum of it's a fourteen thousand dollar invoice we usually do ask for it to pay up front because yeah. with hemp it's you never know it's it goes really high up and then all of a sudden we have farmers that get out of business and then you have an open invoice <laughs> yeah so. well because in the north in the northeast in massachusetts a, a, a big issue there was they made marijuana legal recreationally and medically, but a lot of dispensaries still can't sell it. It's cash only. That's right. Because the banks won't accept financing. And I, I believe Venmo, PayPal, et cetera, they still, if it's for illegitimate drugs, but CBD is legitimate business, right? I think the only issue is just making the authorities understand that when you cross state lines, that it's federally legal now, right? Yeah, that's why the majority of people, we ask for them to have all of the paperwork on them because yeah. with the government, they all kind of just look at it to be the same. By the, the way, Victor the, Leone, yeah. he has, uh, we well, have an admirer. He said she's very pretty. And you, <laughs> got, you. you even got an emoji out of him. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to Sabrina. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, you, do you have to hire private logistics firms or are you able to move it with just with, with anybody? Will a UPS move it? Will a FedEx? Um, UPS and FedEx will move it. Oh. Um, I shouldn't say that. They're going to get me out of business. Yeah. Oh, um. yeah. She doesn't work with an integrator. She's, she's the broker herself. She would be trying to move the freight outside oh, of okay. typically an integrator like a... So pretty much all we ask for, we have to make sure that their insurance doesn't have an exep- exemption on their oh, right, insurance right. or else okay. it's going to null it. How big of a market is this becoming? Are you getting more and more clients? Because Legacy handles more than just 
CBD, right? Yeah. So um, I just kind of chose CBD because I feel like the people are much friendlier. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. much easier to handle because when I first started doing my 100 phone calls, I mean, some of these people, <laughs> it's rough. I mean, I wanted to cry after my first. Oh, <laughs> doing the sales side? You should listen yes. to Put That Coffee Down. That's our free sales <laughs> podcast for closers. <laughs> But I, I'm with you. When I was used to do sales, there was I did this thing called drawback, and I always liked doing drawback more than the sales side. Because drawback, I was giving people money, which is a much different phone conversation than when you're just trying to like find out how much freight they have for you to move. Yeah. But a smart move too. See, she's she's targeting like the, the more zen CBD, oh. like customer profiling. Yeah. Do you use CBD yourself? Are you no. on CBD right now? <laughs> I think Chad. Um, I mean, I was just wondering if you felt like it, um, it, it, it like solved a lot of issues, like for you know, like like the, it's, it's a lot of unproven stuff. So I know I give him my dog. Oh he's, yeah, he's seventeen. Oh, so I mean, he has a lot of joint issues, and since I've been giving to him, I mean, he's acting a little bit better. Huh? You just don't need it. Right? No. You're young and healthy. Exactly. Yeah. I only like the legit. How do you find out if they... Because I've heard that with CBD... Because it's not FDA regulated. People could be putting anything in there. It could be alfalfa like you're back in sixth oh, right. grade. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not... <laughs> like I'm in sixth grade? Like anybody. Is. <laughs> I mean, I've done it before because I went to the uh, CBD Expo in Vegas. Oh. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And they were giving out these little um, can of corn popcorn. So shout out to them. Y'all make amazing popcorn. Um... And I felt really good afterwards, but it, I just ate it because it was so good. Do they have like? <laughs> the, do they have the kind that's like stimulating and the kind that's like like chills you out more? Yeah, so that's why yeah. they have like different strains. It's uh-huh. like CBD, CBG, CBN, CBC. Wow, a yep. CB for everybody. A C for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but how do people reach out and learn more? It sounds like, especially with all these coronavirus fears, people need CBD more than ever <laughs> to control their <laughs> Way concerns. Way to make the right? Yeah. So how do they reach out? Uh, mainly LinkedIn's what I use. I kind of just with hashtags and stuff. Yeah. Kind of a lot of people somehow found me on that, and then the expos. It's kind of awkward for me to call a wholesaler and be like, "Hey, let me ship your hemp." Yes. Right. You speak German, right? How do you say I that do. in German? So uh, let me let me ship Dein your hemp. hemp. That sounded really angry. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was watching Wait. a Ramstein documentary last night before I, I came on. So. Those guys don't even he speak can, English. He can Did get a that? little militant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> don't hast. let him intimidate you. Do hast mich. Well, I don't hate you. Okay. We've only met five minutes. All right. That's enough <laughs> for most people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sabrina. So uh, so they can find you on LinkedIn. And, uh, well, you are making the world of hemp uh, a little bit better each and every More day. More accessible. Like. Yes. All right. Well, All right. thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Really Sabrina yeah. Potter, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Thanks for being on. So Jacob Reed says that we have to, uh, every time he looks at his monitor, this table's shaking. So I don't know, Chad, if you want to shim the table. Are you at a shim access point? We've done it before. Yeah, it is. It's kind of... It's- I know. And Jacob, I'll have you know that we removed, like, we cleaned this whole entire booth, but maybe we didn't properly put our shim back, which was just a bunch of my business cards. Well, we'll work on it. Yeah. You know who we have to call up from? Lean Staffing. We're going to call up Alfonso, Alfonso Quijano. I believe he is in... Legitimately in Medellin, Medellin, too. We talked about Medellin when you were out, but Kevin Hill, uh-huh. when he was filling in in your uh, your steed. Let's give him a call, though. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to talk about. How did he do? Him. How did Kevin do in my stead? Uh, he did really well. He might... No. He did really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he'd be great. Five, count of five. Five, two, minutes. 
Hey, Alfonso. Hey, how you doing? We're doing really well. Thank you for joining us on What the Trucks two-year anniversary special. Spectacular. That's right. Hey, Alfonso. Nice. How you guys doing? That's great to be on the show. Hey, are you in Medellin, Colombia? I am. I'm in Medellin, the heart of technology. See, Chad used to be a big Entourage fan, and he was devastated when the uh, the Vincent Chase Medellin movie bombed at the box office. I told him oh, that wasn't real. That life. was a sad day. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, wh- Medellin's been getting. Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. Oh, no, go go into it. Oh, I was yeah, just going to ask you means. about what Medi- modern Medellin's like. Oh, well, I'm, I moved to Medellin from uh, Barranquilla. I'm actually originally from the coast in Barranquilla. Uh, but when I moved here, I just saw a completely, you know, different city. Uh, it's just technology thriving. You know, Medellin got named one of the most innovative cities in uh, Latin America or actually in the world last year. And uh, I just, you know, seeing it here for myself, I, I love to, you know, tell our customers to come down here and visit us. And um, it's, just, it's just great to be able to put, put our name out there. Um, so, yeah. Well, uh, that sounds fantastic. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Lean Tech. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Lean Tech is uh, sort of a pretty uh, new term, new new kid around the block nowadays. But we've been actually doing technology for quite a while from uh, Lean Staffing days. We were incorporated as the IT department in uh, Lean Staffing. And a couple of months ago, we decided to say, you know, we're going to just go full force into technology, move into the city of Medellin, which is the the core or the heart of technology, as I mentioned. And we put some, some pretty big goals out there to bridge the gap between the companies that want to do logistics uh, and technology in the United States and Colombia. Uh, there's such a great talent pool here, and we wanted to leverage that as much as we could. So, and uh, basically what we're doing is that we're putting developers, um, projects, and pretty much anything that has to do with technology in the hands of, of the people who want to create some tech in the U.S. As people start social distancing, now suddenly you can't escape the term social distancing, in, especially in, uh, in our web print publications up here in the United States. Are you seeing more clients come to you for ways to uh, keep staffing levels high while people are scared of the coronavirus pandemic? Does that help an industry like yours in times like this? Well, um, actually, I see the nearshoring industry booming um, from things. I mean, there are obviously companies whose um, stock prices are plummeting on one side and then those who are very um, sort of getting advantages from it, like, you know, Zoom meetings and things like that. Oh, yeah. But uh, from the nearshoring industry, we have seen uh, actually a, a great impact uh, from people trying to, uh, I wouldn't say just social distancing themselves, not so much, but, you know, leveraging our services to try to put um, sort of a parallel processes in place to get things done where, you know, in their home base, it might be a little complicated for them to do. You know, Microsoft just did a, a, a full-blown program where pretty much everyone wanted to do remote work now and uh, trying to contain the, the spread of the virus, for example. Um, but in our case, we have a mentality of always working like if we were um, sort of on a remote team. We even have some proprietary technology around it that has helped us work like this. And um, I, oh, sorry listen. about that. Oh, you got a question, Chad? Sorry about that. Yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Okay, very good. Well, um, yeah, so you guys are just basically saying that um, social distancing would not be a problem for you guys. No, but um, seriously, so you do a lot of robotic uh, process automation, RPA. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges of, of, of using RPA in the supply chain, if you could. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I sort of addressed this before, but um, RPA is 
it's something that um, I'm really fond of the technology and the trends um, nowadays, but it's something that has to be sort of looked at very carefully. Um, I don't, I don't think that RPA is a one size fits all solution or silver bullet, like they call it. I believe it has a, a, a pretty sort of thorough discovery process that has to be done for it to be implemented correctly. I think the sort of the major issues that people find nowadays is they don't know what to automate correctly. Um, and there are a lot of processes from, from current vendors that, that help you with that. You know, you have vendors like automation anywhere, UiPath, um, this Microsoft, uh, new product that came out seems to be a pretty great initiative of a low code, um, implementation called power automate. Um, and, and they all shine on the fact that they use AI in order to enhance that discovery process. Um, which basically tracks or does macros around what you're trying to automate and then sort of helps you get to uh, things that you might miss from a human perspective. But I think that the key in making sure that we don't fall under that, uh, there's a report from Ernst & Young that talks about the 30 to 50% failure rate for most RPA projects. The way that yeah. we avoid from falling into that is to make sure that um, our projects have a thorough discovery process and that we have a partner that doesn't treat the um, RPA process as a single project. You have to treat it as something that's, that demands a workforce, developers, business units, and pretty much everyone involved in the sort of supply chain or development chain. Um, and that's what, what gets you to the finish line. And uh, I believe that at LeanTech, that's, that's exactly who we are. You know, we'll, We'll put in the developers. We'll put in the staff and the resources for you to do it. Well, I was just going to say, staff becomes, staff becomes more important than ever when you're talking about something like the coronavirus, a black swan event. We talk about in our own modeling all the time, our predictive modeling. When you have an event that hasn't occurred before, all that old past data doesn't really mean much. Uh, same thing when you have yeah. RPA, when you have processes implemented. I mean, that's where the intelligence of the broker comes in or the intelligence of the carrier or in terms of human capital the intelligence of a firm like yours to, to say when things can and cannot be automated, right? Correct. Correct. I mean, you, you do, um, had a great point there is the fact that, you know, a lot of people are trying to, to put all their efforts into predictive technology nowadays. Um, that's something that has to be taken with a lot of care as well. Um, you know, the SMP index, for example, you know, dropped, you know, several points just with the coronavirus and there's no uh, algorithm out there that would have been able to detect that. Um, I think when we, sort of, um, you know, hedge appropriately with technology, we'll be able to make sure that we use technology in the cases where it's most appropriate. And RPA is amongst those cases as well. As well. Thanks, Alfonso. How do people reach out and learn more about your solutions, especially uh, in these times where I'm, I imagine people are looking? Um, yeah. So uh, generally speaking, you know, people can reach out to us through our website uh, at leantech, lean-tech.io. Um, we have a couple of pretty great advocates for our technology that um, we've created some amazing technology for like ARL, for example, a big shout out to them. And, um, you know, you can get in touch pretty much with all of our customers to, to learn uh, some of the greatest things that we're creating alongside them. Um, uh, but if you want to reach out for information directly, you just make sure to reach out through our website or at info at leantech.io and uh, we'll be sure to reach out. Okay. Thank you, Alfonso. Yeah. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time today. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
everything's been having a wrinkle thrown in, including intermodal rails, etc. And now we invite Mike Budenstitzel into the booth. Did I say it right? Finally, Bowden Distal, just like Here it's come. spelled. Bowden Distal, just as it's oh, spelled. Yeah, that he'll tell you that. Presented by Alfonso Cassandra Greens. She says that you are great. And Jeff Edmonds, he agrees 100% with that particular statement. Hey, how are you? Doing all right. I'm trying not to look at my, the stock market, but other than that, you know, still have my health for yep. now. You have a lot of money tied up in the for stock now. market? Yeah, yeah. You plan on retiring yeah. soon like Chad over here? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> I know my Robin Hood is dire. My Robin Hood, I was up like 86% on the year mm-hmm. at the start of the year. Mm. Uh, like from when I started doing Robin Hood, and now it's down to like thirty three percent. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hold your thousands, breath. losing Hold thousands, your breath and grin and grin and bear it. I wasn't planning on selling yet, though. Yeah, yeah. You can't time the market. You just sort of have to be planning on buying yeah. some stuff. Yeah, yeah. What, what would you? We can't give stock advice, but if you were to go long on something and you're and you could, what would it be? <laughs> well, I mean, some of these that are involved in um, in oil are really seem like they're tr- they're trading for next to nothing. I mean, there's there's one company I used to follow, Trinity Industries, which manufactures rail cars and leases out the rail cars, and that's trading. I mean, it's down you know well over ten uh, percent today, and th- and that one seems to be trading for less than the value of the the assets that they have on their balance sheet. Now they're not going to be building a lot of maybe cars to move crude by oil, but that one looks looks pretty interesting. Okay. Wow. Very interesting. Well, you are here, speaking of the railroads, uh, the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen, the BLET, they've made an announcement, right? Yeah, yeah very powerful um, you know, union there. Um, so what was the, the latest announcement that you're referring to? Well, just about the coronavirus and they're making some demands about, um, like, maybe, what what is it, like, they... They want, they want more demanding. sanitizer. They want more sanitizer. Yeah. They want time off in case they're concerned about getting themselves, other passengers sick, all those kind of things. Got it. Okay. So th- there's always those things sort of going back and forth, and and these are, you know, th- that's one of the biggest um, unions. It's it's really probably the one that you know is is probably the the best at supporting the the, the workers. But I mean, you have guys that are basically in close quarters, you know, with, with, you know, in some cases, passengers, in some cases, just with their employees, but then they go are, are outside and, you know, in some cases, you know, sub-zero weather in, in Canada or in Chicago in the winter. And it's, it's just sort of a situation that I guess you can, can leads to, you know, difficulty there, but. So what's yeah. with oil and then the huge decline we've seen, we've seen the stocks or one thing, but all, all these, like we've been talking about trade, all of these indicators are symptomatic of, of something coming to a head. Yep. And it seems like this Monday, I mean, last week we saw it with the stocks, but this, and now with the pricing war with oil and everything, yep. everything is starting to, to culminate in this nightmare situation. So, yeah. but people out there, uh, including the, the president said that cheap gas, Americans like cheap gas. So what's wrong with oil going down to $30 a barrel? Well, the U.S. is the biggest consumer of, of oil. It's also the biggest producer of oil. So yeah. so the countries that produce oil, it's a huge part of their economy. So that would be U.S., Canada, Russia, all these Middle Eastern countries. And so, um, you know, all these um, you know, economies that are, that are dependent on, you know, things like energy exploration, drilling, refining, all of these things um, – you know, are, are just can, can really can really be hurt in, in both the U.S. and Canada. So, and 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 it particularly impacts certain localities that are heavy into those industries, like Texas, Louisiana, a lot of those places along the Gulf Coast. So, so the railroads are declaring that they want some more rights. They don't have to attend. They don't have to be a part of uh, you know operations as usual. It mm-hmm. may is this an an indicator of what else is happening in the transportation space? 
Are we going to see some disruptions due to uh, people not participating in their activities to quarantine themselves from the coronavirus? Yeah, so I think people just spend a lot less money if they're at home working from home rather than out and about. I mean, you just saw that uh, one article that Jalopnik had that showed there's like no traffic at all on Seattle's roadways. It seems just eerie that there's so few cars. And so if people are, are staying home, I mean, yeah, you can buy things on the internet, but for the most part, people are not consuming a whole lot. I They've mean, had more deaths in Seattle than anywhere else in the United yeah, States, yeah, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really gotten to a point where there's, you know, certain schools are, are closing down and you know old folks' homes are very concerned with this, the spreading there just because the older population is more vulnerable to the coronavirus. But is this a sign of things to come? Are they a model for what's going to happen in the rest of America? As I remember this morning, I was reading like Massachusetts, for example, the number of cases had doubled there. <laughs> New York is at 76. Their cases, I believe, had tripled over the past few days. Now they're in a state of emergency. Uh, people are asking here, are we going to Matt? Uh, I'm personally not going to Matt. I was supposed to be going to Disney World, but I don't know if that'll still be happening. Who knows if that is a great I don't maybe there'll be less lines at rise of the resistance right you can't win for losing with these decisions can you but where do you see this going are we gonna is the is there gonna be economic recovery this week are we in for a longer road with the with especially the oil with the price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia yeah I mean I think it could lead to a recession I mean it really could lead to a U.S. recession or just a global recession because I mean these these you know economies around the world are just now so just intertwined and they all just you know depend on each other so is it a situation where you know seems certain China's going to go into a recession now whether they admit to it or not is a different story but because their trading partners are so closely you know, you know intertwined now I mean maybe you can't help but go into a global recession so I think it you know it could could easily cause a you know issue with with you know economies around the world. What in terms of what's happening this week? What are you feeling like? Is this a tipping point week? Are we are we going to tip towards recovery? Or are we contracting? It it seems to me that you know if you just look at like truck volumes, you know like Zach is talking about the surge in truck yeah. volumes, and and we see it. But you know what I think is happening is just people are you know have, have gone to the stores, have bought you know enough to survive in a worst case scenario. So they've cleared out the aisles and then the the trucks have taken goods from warehouses, distribution centers to the stores to restock it. But I think all this is going to be temporary because if it it were to blow over, you'd have enough for, you know, two months just, just, just just at your house. But like how fast can Dooner go through his 80 pounds of, of rice? We haven't even gotten into it yet. See, (laughs) like it's going to take a while. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But toilet paper would be quicker though. (laughs) It will. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We get a call. Well, thanks, Balden Nurse. He'll give thanks us for your give, insights. He'll give us his uh, third-party insights. He actually does these great videos online. I don't know if you've seen them where he breaks down what's going on in the markets, but he's also very passionate about yeah, man. forecasting and being predictive and all those kind of things. Hey, Kyle Littner. Hi, Tim Dooner. Hey, what's up, Kyle? Hey, man. What's going on, Chad? Hey, not too much, man. You know, we're just experiencing another Black Swan event. Well, we're trying to hit you up for that suite apparel, too. You guys have the best apparel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, sure. Oh, man. How do you... Be a package in the mail. Hey, you oh, were... hey, okay. Hey, Kyle, you were going off on LinkedIn the other day talking about Black Swan events, how you can't... Uh, how, you know, using futures is a great way to hedge against the unpredictable. You can't use past data. All this kind of stuff. So break it down for us. What's going on in the market? What's going on with with K ratio? What are you seeing? Uh, plain and simple, panic selling today. Oh, really? So this market's 
in general been overpriced. We've been looking for something to take some of the money off the table. Uh, I'm not saying coronavirus is not an issue. It most certainly is, but it's just served as the catalyst that has really brought about all of this selling. Last week was the beginning of it. I think today you begin to see the panic when we have things like circuit breakers enacted. Uh, we obviously have an imbalance in sellers versus buyers, so there needs to be internal controls to limit that. Uh, all of that is indicative of people being scared. A lot of this has to do with margin calls. Uh, obviously, the, the question always becomes, how does this translate into freight? And I know you guys have talked about this already today, but it's, it is indicative of the overall market. And if the overall market is showing softness, that's going to manifest itself inside of freight. We're going to see lower volumes and ultimately lower rates, which I don't know if you guys have seen uh, futures markets lately, but generally across the board, we're down around 10 to 15% since the close of business two weeks ago. Wow. No, we had, I had not seen that. I was going to see, is this, is, is this the time to seize on some of that freight futures? <laughs> it's always the time to seize, but uh, yeah, depending on your participant status. Yeah. I think right now, if you're a shipper, this is obviously a time that your ears perk up and you start to think about purchasing excess coverage. If you're a carrier, uh, you know, that's the no brainer. That's looking further down the curve and, and realizing that right now, basically everything past May is still showing higher rates significantly higher than we're seeing now, 20 cents per mile higher. That's when you start to have the conversation of what I like to run my business at that rate versus what you're getting today. Yeah, I guess what I mean, almost, of course it is always a good time, but like, is it almost easier to persuade people to, to get their <laughs> attention, to get them to listen, to think about participating in, in the market? Yeah, thankfully, I don't have to do much convincing these days. I think uh, everywhere you turn, you see something else that tells you this is the time to do it. Um, but, you know, we can also take information from the market, um, similar to what I was saying, to, to have better understand exactly what it is we do need to think about and what we need to approach from a risk standpoint. And what I mean by that is we do have somewhat of a recovery currently priced in. So then that is a case where possibly this virus and, and the fallout in volumes lingers longer than money many expect. And if that's the case, there's still plenty of opportunity later on down the road. And that's the thing. If you are a procurement director or if you are a, a carrier looking at your routing guide, this is a way for you to take what's given in the market and move it onto your balance sheet. Hey, we keep reading today that a circuit breaker was was hit on in the New York Stock Exchange. Does that is that? I mean, that's not literally right. A, a, literally, a circuit didn't go out. No, they just they they automatically yeah, a stopped. Circuit blew. And then, and then an engineer has to go down and unscrew the light bulb. <laughs> no, no, they don't. But did that um, happen? No, is that where it comes it, from? No. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I'm not that old. Uh, okay. But I am old enough to have experienced several limit downs or limit ups. And what happens is just a halt in trading. It's a way for participants to kind of take a breath and take everything in, understand exactly where we're at. It's an attempt to remove the emotion and the panic that's in there. So this yeah. morning it was enacted to try and get people to take a breather and say, hey, maybe I don't need to liquidate my portfolio or I don't need to sell the stock. Obviously, uh, it didn't help. You know, we're down more than 7% now, but that's what the goal is to try and limit the downside on it. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. It says uh, circuit breakers are measures used to curb panic selling on U.S. stock exchanges. Yeah. They're like the, uh, I don't know, the electoral college of, of money. But it <laughs> apparently didn't, didn't do enough, uh, do, didn't do enough good. People are still. Um, it didn't help Dooner's Robin Hood account. <laughs> no, it didn't. It's been, it's been painful. Is now a time to go pick up some. Uh, 
some stocks though, or is there, yeah, is there know, gonna be... if we had the, yes, if we had the DeLorean, we could go back in time and you could have hedged accordingly. But since we can't, <laughs> uh, I think, yes, now is the time when you start to identify things that you would like to acquire, but do not do it today. Do not do it this week because you still have uh, an oversupply of shares that needs to be repriced and rebalanced inside of the market. And it's probably going to be lower, if not sideways, but definitely not higher. Yeah, we're down 7.68% uh, as of right now that I speak to you. So not, not yeah. pretty. Not a, Where is the flux capacitor really when to, we need uh, it? Where's it drop? 19? 18? 15? Where's the bottom? Lower. Uh, I don't know what the absolute bottom is. Uh, I know I did tease that on LinkedIn. But I will say uh, you can easily tell that the market is not done on its way down when you look at something like the yield curve. And we now have every single U.S. debt instrument underneath 1%. What I mean by that is if you go overnight, one month, 10 years, 30 years, no matter how long you want to borrow money, the U.S. wants to borrow money, you have people willing to fund it at less than 1%. So that is clearly indicative uh, of an opposite of panic selling. And you have people that need to move money somewhere and they're willing to put it anywhere. And, and no, that's good for the uh, U.S. home buyer, I suppose. But that is not something that tells me I need to start buying equities right now. Who are the people putting them in at that lower rate? Yeah, you need to put it somewhere. Honestly, if you're a fund okay. manager, the money needs to go somewhere. That's why you see overnight repo rates that actually go into negative territory. That's why you have 10-year German bonds right now are trading at negative uh, 0.88%. Uh, people just need to park the money somewhere. And if you're a fund manager with a gazillion dollars, uh, you need the price. You're not worried about the price, but you need the certainty that your money will be there tomorrow. So. Well, Kyle, you're basically willing to pay to, for people to hold it. People want to park their money with you. How do they reach out? <laughs> uh, they can hit us up probably on our website would be the uh, best way to do it. Uh, K-Ratio. Pretty busy these days. Doing it. Yep. K-Ratio.com. Um, for you, you can go direct to my heart and my cell phone, though. Oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. I thought I just didn't need the hyphen. Just kratio.com. Yeah, that was the direct bat channel for the Dooners. <laughs> no, no hyphen. Now, k-ratio.com is probably the best way to get in touch with uh, us for any of these products that we offer. Thanks, Fantastic. Kyle. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks, we appreciate Kyle. it. Thanks for giving us the, the skinny. Well, good stuff. Looking good, Kyle. He's a big fan of trading places. No, I'm a big fan of, though, Emily Zank. She's coming to join us for a little big deal. Little deal. Big deal. Comes in the studio. Here she is. Big deal. Boom. Here she is, big deal in the truth booth. Mm-hmm. Hello. How's it going? It is going well. Busy day. Yes. Lots of stuff with the coronavirus. And our first story, actually, <sighs> yeah. the local news wants to talk about it. So Mr. The local Zach, news does? Yeah, Mr. Zach Strickland was here. So About transportation in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one talking oh, yeah. about transportation no this one month is. since the trade war. But they're talking now, so we'll be on... News Channel they 12, mm-hmm. Local 12. I don't know the the station. Speaking of local that. celebrities, let this one go first. Him and his big self. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> local celebrity, Chad Prevost, gets to go first. Well, this is what they're talking about, and they came here to talk about with Zach Strickland, mass purchasing or threat thereof because, the, because of the coronavirus causes trucking volumes to spike. This is a mm-hmm. really popular story on FreightWaves.com right now. So is this a big deal or a little deal? Well, I think it's a pretty big deal. I mean, we usually have seasonal volume surges in around this time of year, but 
uh, but for different reasons. And this is, have you heard it yet? A black swan event. A, it's a, it's a statistical anomaly and it's not driven. This is also interesting. It's not driven by a single commodity. It's represented in, I think, 96 of the 135 key markets. So kind of a big deal. The, the shippers have panicked collectively and uh, have moved their goods. But the thing that makes it maybe just slightly less than an outrageously big deal is that uh, Zach doesn't particularly think this is necessarily going to be indicative of a surge throughout the rest of the year. Okay. He thinks it was kind of a holiday kind of sugar rush. So a short little period hmm. of time. What do you think, Nooner? I would like it to. I mean, best case scenario is that this this tide, this panic buying, uh, emptying out warehouses, tides us over until the real freight gets here. Now that factories are going back online in China, are those two ends going to meet? It does not necessarily seem likely. Consumers don't necessarily care about what goes on in freight. I know the news is talking to us and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, a spike right now isn't going to make anyone more comfortable with the stock market, unfortunately. Yeah, they're not correlated at all at the moment. These two aren't. No, so, I mean, it's... Like it could be worse. It could be worse in the sense that we could not have a spike and, and freight rates could keep tumbling downwards. So at least this is giving drivers something to do, something to sustain people up and, and yeah. for a longer winter that may be ahead. It's a little bit of a light and kind of a lot of darkness, right? Yeah. yeah. Economically Yeah, we'll speaking. see how long it lasts. Well, former Texas Department of Safety public safety, excuse me, employee pleads guilty in a CDL scam. He was charged in connection with a scheme to sell more than 200 CDLs to drivers who had either failed or didn't even take the skills test. Jeez. Big deal or little deal, Dooner? That's a big deal. I mean, if you read our comments, you hear a lot of drivers complaining about um, immigrants, legal or, or illegal, being on the roads, they're the real dangers, blah, blah, blah. Well, then you have a case like this where this guy's giving more than 200 CDLs to uh, to immigrants from Brazil who either couldn't pass the test yeah. because they didn't have documentation or they couldn't pass it a drug test or something. So, I mean, there's nothing good about that. There's nothing safe about that. And then it also creates mistrust with the trucking community and law enforcement. It really does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, try to say that it's a little deal to the people who might get injured from these, uh, these, these. Uh, well, in this case, Cubans who are driving without appropriate CDLs, fraudulent CDLs. Mm. Uh, this guy was a seven-year veteran of the DPS, and he's handing them out. And the only reason they found it is because they did an audit, and they were like, he has an unusually high amount of yeah. CDLs that he's given. What do you think the CDL mm. per rep usually is? Because he get, like 200, <laughs> 200 triggered it. yeah. What what is it usually? I Maybe 15. The DMV in Chattanooga, their, well, their licenses per person must be like zero. When I was in... The, Every time I go, they always send me home so to get when something I, else. Yes. When I was at my third time, third time was a charm at the DMV here, I will tell you, while I was there, within the 45 minutes I was there, they did three CDLs. Wow. So oh. that... And, but it is Fred oh. Alley. A lot of people are driving for companies here. So yeah. throwing out CDLs like it's popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Meanwhile, you just like, can't get your transplants license. I know. Finally got it. But or what yeah. was that CBD corn she was eating? Was she eating some CBD popcorn? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. She said spreading rumors, man. Bud corn or something. Oh gosh. Well, okay. Well, this is another one. We've been talking about a lot of ransomware hacks, and we had a, mm-hmm. a story on Freightways.com that ransomware hackers may be coming for owner-operators next. Chad, is this a big deal or a little deal? Well, it's a big deal because these, they, I mean, while they're the medium and small-sized uh, business owners might might not have as much 
uh, you know, at stake, I guess, monetarily wise, they're probably more vulnerable. They're probably easier to hack. And what's at stake? What is at stake? A company's bottom line, right? To keep a secure network. Mm. Like it's getting like at least the uh, the larger corporations should have an excuse to be able to fight these hackers. But what are we expecting? I mean, they're barely able to make ends meet as it is. This is outrageous. It's scary. Well, it's got you worked oh. up. Well, I will say, uh, I'll say the only reason they haven't come from this is probably because they don't know they're there. It's not yeah. like you need to scale up these hacking operations. You're sending out fake invoices and stuff like that. Yeah. Or what we get a lot is someone like telling you to go and buy get a Google a, Play card, gift cards. Yeah, the gift cards are people. I I got one of those and I told them that all I could find was Arby's gift cards. <laughs> and I took all the like Arby's gift cards that were in the stack at the grocery store and I took a picture <laughs> of it and I sent it to him and I was like, I just got Arby's and he got so mad at me and he started I, yelling that I had to go back and return them. And that's why I just kept stringing this guy along. I was like, oh, I'm in line at customer oh service. They gosh. think I've already ate all the Arby's food. And I told them that's not even possible because I just got the card. Um, I love wow. how you played with these scammers. That's what they deserve. Yeah, but who really got played? Because it took time out of my yeah. life, too. So <laughs> You'll I, never I, get I, that time back. I know. And all I did was some, some other moron out there probably, you know, <laughs> he was just busy distracted by me. Well, some other so do you think this dunk. is a big deal or a little deal? It's the wave of the future, man. It's uh, it's it's a little deal because it's going to be happening anyway. You got to protect yourself against this. You got to. Uh, like, it's going to be happening all the time, and so therefore it's a little deal. Come the, on. What, uh, what I'm saying what, is the new Ro- norm. There, there's a reason the Roanoke and Reliance of the world are offering digital insurance yeah. now to transportation companies. Reliance Partners as well. Get it. Yes. That's, I did Get say Reliance. Did I say Resistance? Yeah. No, you said Reliance. I know. Said say. Reliance. I know. Okay, guys. Well, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus, I think, for months, weeks to come. I don't know how long it's looked like today on the news. It's at least a year out until we have some sort of stoppage and even some sort of vaccination. If it's not gone by the election, the election will wipe it out. The election has wiped out so many, like Zika was gone after the election. No one one talked about Zika anymore. I know. It's like something, it's like every year. Okay, well, we'll see. All right, so like, let's, let's consider this. Like, the U.S., is not Singapore in terms of we are not handling uh, the testing and the quarantining as efficiently as Singapore. And they're demonstrating that you can contain this virus. Well, but Italy, by contrast, is doing the opposite. Oh, Italy. Most of the cases of people coming back to America are because they were traveling overseas in Italy. Italy. I love Italy. Everywhere. I've been there three times in the past 10 years. Don't go now. Jeez, all right. I'm not going to go there now. (laughs) What? Yeah, <laughs> no. you have the walking corona. I have not. I have not. Um, right. So this is. Wait, I, I mean, didn't even ask a question yeah. yet. Oh, <laughs> what is he just pontificating? I, I was. was I, like, what oh, I'm yeah. saying is, you're talking about yeah. the U.S. not being able to handle it. Well, U.S. officials are saying that the regions hit the hardest by the coronavirus oh. don't even have enough test kits yeah. to keep up That's with right. the demand. Big deal or little deal? That's a big deal. I mean, look, I I just read that. So you brought up Singapore, great example. But they did a good job of hoping to contain this where that window has already, we've already screwed that up. Yeah. We already screwed the pooch there. That's and right. now people are just playing recovery. There's some major events going on, like Mats, for example, yep. major events, 72,000 people. In we talked about it on weeks. radio. They have no plans to cancel just yet on their website. They have a they have a coronavirus page. Yeah, they're trying uh, to get uh what they're trying to like get a hundred names on it. A hundred for names. I don't think no. That's... It's only signed by like fifty five people right now, and their goal is a hundred. No, we yeah. watched it go up to a hundred. Oh, it did said, go all the way up to hundred. Look at that. There's about one signature a second. Hey, but, we're gonna keep on going. 
Well, know, a lot goes into these. You things. can't win for losing with these conferences, whether you cancel them or or, or have well, it's, them. It's it sucks because it's going to cost you if you're the organizer. It's going to cost you money no matter what. It's going to if you're a sponsor, it's going to cost yeah. you matter money no matter what. If you book tickets and you booked a hotel room, you're probably going to be out at least a little bit of money in terms of travel. If not that, you'll at least have headaches of tracking all this stuff down. It would suck to be one of those people who go to a ton of different conferences and then I don't know. But at the same time, who? Yeah. Do you really want to be around 72,000 people at Matt's right know, now? Yeah. If I really wanted to go to Matt's, yes. Okay. I would. You don't care. I don't. Why? I'm like, I don't want to live in fear. All right. After oh, your six-day quarantine, yeah. quarantine, you feel very emboldened you gave now. Yourself a I've done enough social distancing. Will somebody hang out with me? Were you, oh, oh, you were gosh. like, if I had to spend another day in my house, I may as well just go out and, and put myself at risk. So is this a big deal or a little this deal worth that it. we're running out of test kits? It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It is okay. a big deal. Well, on... on um, the topic, yeah. the threat of the coronavirus, as you're talking about, is changing the way people live their lives. People are bumping elbows instead of right. shaking hands. Stores are putting limits on how much bleach you could buy or any other disinfectant. Somebody said that there were people were drinking bleach. Stop. What? Stop. Like so I'm like, and, the, like and, Tide Pod and thing. they had to come. No, they had to come on and Rob like Gronkowski? They had to say, "Don't drink no. bleach. Oh. It's it. Don't drink. It's not. It's not going to stop it." Oh. You've also just mentioned social distancing or the mm-hmm. term. Yeah. It's being hysteria. It, yes. Did I mention hysteria? Social distancing is people avoiding crowds. So yeah. is this a big deal or a little deal that it's basically changed the way some people are living their lives? It's a big deal. Do you know that? Corona beer stock is way yes, down. Yes, it's crazy. People like, well, are not Corona beer People anymore. are not. Be- the fascin- the most fascinating thing and, and anxiety producing thing about it all is the psychology. It's if we're constantly thinking about it, we're constantly told to wash our hands. I'm const- every door I touch, everything I- I'm like, oh, I better wash my hands now because how many people have touched that door handle? That like it creates this it's hysteria. Like OCD to the max. Yeah, I need to stay on top of this because I encountered someone in public. Yesterday, and they were they were like going like this, and I didn't understand what they were doing. They Apparently, they want to bump you. That is the most awkward way you could possibly go about doing it. Can you just fist? How do you do it? How do you signify it? We just did it. Like just, no, you, fist bump. you don't, don't just tap that's it. Your hands. That's germs. Fist bump? No, no. Look, she won't even fist bump. Well, what no. if you have dirty elbows? Social distancing. No, you can't get coronavirus bump. from an app from an from that. It's, it's better than the germs. No, because go, you don't you, you don't touch your yeah, face with you your elbow. Have I you guess. Ever, have you ever done that? Yeah, but when you put Purell on, you go all the way to the elbows. No, but you're I would not say my no, elbows are the most at risk. The I would say my elbows Stop. are the most at no. risk for dirtiness Stop. on on my body because if you think about it, you get the hands all the time you're washing them, and the shower you get from the soap down. So like the the in between would be about your elbow. Yeah, but it's I, all I, about that's it's a good like point. not in your face. You're not putting okay. Okay, well. Speaking of stuff being canceled, South by Southwest is taking heat right now for canceling their upcoming festival. And many are wondering if Coachella could be the mm. next big cancellation of I know. 2020. South by- I've been to Coachella twice, actually. You've been I have, to- yeah, I went in 2010 and in 2012. I want to see your Coachella outfits. I, was, I had the he flowers in there, I the Native American <laughs> yeah, this attire. This is Coachella yeah. outfit. Actually, it basically was. I was in like uh, your red jumpsuit. The only difference is, is I wore one? shorts. I usually don't wear shorts, and I was had black, sh- like cargo uh, shorts on or something like that. Like he wears that red jumpsuit to play disc golf. I have, yeah, I have a picture there. Oh. I've been there. I went so faith. The reason I went the first time was Faith No More was reforming. Oh yeah, Coed and Camry, a couple different bands I wanted to see. And then the next time I went because At the Drive-In was reforming in 2012, 
And they booked it at the same time as Florence and the Machine, which is like the other band oh, I wanted yeah. to sing. That's the problem with festivals. Well, and here's the question. Would you risk the coronavirus by to go to Coachella? Do you think they should cancel it? Well, they didn't tell me that the... Um, they didn't tell me that the Tupac hologram was going to be there <gasps> in 2010, but it was. And if they told me that, I would have risked it. But it was it 2012? It was one okay. of those two one years. It, yeah, yeah. sometimes. Anyways, um, uh, I don't know. We went to Rock City. My wife and I went to Rock City over the weekend because it's outdoors. Rock City. Coachella's they, outdoors? Yeah. Well, the thing was about South by Southwest, they're taking yeah. a lot of heat because they waited till the last minute. But uh, they had to cancel because about a third of the people come in from overseas. And a lot of them come from Asian companies. Countries, uh, yeah. so they were very worried that those people. But it's like, come on, give them a little more notice than just a week. But I guess it yeah. was, a, and there's no cases yet at when I last checked a few hours well, ago in Austin. But they still wanted to take precautions. Well, is this everyone like on, picking up the phone, trying to call their insurance company and seeing if they can yeah. not take a tire bath on these? I mean, if they, there's a lot of money tied to these events. Well. I called Delta the other day to change a flight that had nothing to do with the coronavirus, and there was a four-hour wait, and mm. I called them at, like, 10 o'clock at night, so they woke me up in the middle of the night, and the lady was, I was like, wow, you guys must be busy. She's like, you have no idea. This is the shortest wait it's been in forever. Like, somebody what? said they had an eight-hour wait when they called. That's outrageous. Well, you gotta uh, think, people are canceling their flights left and right. Well, I, it, the AWP, the Associated Writers um, uh, Conference, they they went for it. They they about twelve thousand people. They they had their conference. I have a lot of friends who went there, and someone like had. where where is, where is it at? Where's it <laughs> where was it? It moves every year. Uh, I don't know if it was in New York this year uh, or Chicago. That's Can't a hotbed remember. right now. Chicago, yeah. not so much. But so they went to AWP, and uh, and the, one of the people on the board resigned in protest. For, for them having it so that you can't win for you losing. Can't. You can't. You know? really can't. Some people are angry. Some people are, mm. are just like, well, I'm sorry you're upset, but Jacob Reed said he yeah. will still be at mass. If he gets quarantined, he wants to know if he can still get food delivered. How do they deliver you food under a quarantine? I think they just give you an IV bag, Jacob. It depends and tell on you to where you're well, in, in China, they've right, gotten have. very smart with drone delivery, but we oh, don't yeah. have that here. Oh, catapult. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Maybe someone I, can chuck it to you from a safe distance. They use predictive learning. they make a lot of money if they're out there driving, but... Delivering food at mats to yeah. potential well, coronavirus. Well, speaking of food, Ugh. the hashtag, you might have seen it trending on Twitter... The hashtag I will eat with you is becoming extremely popular for restaurants struggling through the coronavirus. Many businesses are seeing a downturn because people will not go out in public. Yeah. Big deal or little deal? Uh little deal. Mm. Yeah. Like it's um it's just a ploy for for um business owners to get people to Hey, but come think eat. about if you were yeah, a no. restaurant owner. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm look. I'm. I'm into social distancing. I'm into going to concerts, but I don't know. Like, well, this so was, you're not into social distancing. Well, no, I am. See, I oh. am. You are, but you are. Depends kinda, on the people. I just keep to myself. At yeah, the, at the show. But so this was from this. Uh, I found. You this think this was a big deal? Well, it was on Reddit, and it brought up a lot of different implications of what the was coronavirus is doing. Local restaurant. Or? It was a restaurant called Mr. Chan. It was in a food court at a mall, Chinese restaurant. And they had the least amount of people going to them out of everybody. And it brought up the topic uh, of of race. And then people yeah. were arguing, is it racist to not eat at a Chinese food restaurant during a coronavirus scare? And most people are like, well, no, it's not necessarily racist. People are just being cautious. You got to give everyone a little bit of space because everyone's going a little crazy. But I know it was my wife's birthday over the weekend. And we didn't go out to, we, we decided to cook at home. Not necessarily out of, not I mean, any- mildly out of coronavirus fear. Because there's a certain thing, like if you accept in your head, if you're like, Okay, I'm gonna go. If, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna buy a bunch of toilet paper and 80 pounds of rice, and I'm gonna kind of. You can't be like halfway in the no, death, the doomsday bunker, in. right? So if you are already afraid of people, 
It's not like you're going to rush to eat a salad at, at a restaurant. No, I would yeah, avoid those buffets. Right. Yeah. All you can eat. So at conferences, I was just talking about like Craig. Remember, he said he was going to one. He's like, they banned handshakes. Yeah. And then I want to know if they banned the buffet because everybody oh, walking yeah, by that... touches the tongs and yeah, touches the uh, the ladles and everything. That's what I'm saying. It starts to create this kind of anxiety. It really does. Yeah. What about you? I don't know. I, I've been, obviously, I worked in Omaha for almost six years, and I've been following the news closely there because they not only have one of the infectious disease departments, but they also have a major case of coronavirus right now. Oh. A woman came back from Italy with her family, a 36-year-old. She went and she participated at the Special Olympics, um, a weekend event. Oh, wow. And so now the no entire... No good unpunished. And then she, right after that, she was diagnosed with having the coronavirus. Oh, so, she so she's now quarantined. Okay. She, they, she was misdiagnosed and now she is now quarantined. And so they literally have put this town called Fremont, Nebraska, about 20 miles outside of Omaha in lockdown because she interacted with so many people at the Special Olympics. Mm. So it really has shut a whole town down at the moment. And so it, it's That's really like an hard. outbreak. Yeah. They were going to destroy the town in outbreak. And to get around it, they brought the serum to the town. So if they blew up the town, they'd yeah. also blow up the serum. Well, so now her Betsy, parents, her that parents little monkey. Sometimes have, the yeah. truth, stranger than fiction. Yeah, so. What's coming up on uh, Freightwaves TV? Oh, well, tomorrow we have great quarter guys. All right. As always, Wednesday, Two. put that coffee down. What is the topic of this One. week? We're talking about motivation. So everything we're saying at the cold call, everything that happens after the cold call is the objection. Everything that happens after the objection is the motivation, the ambition, the thing that keeps you going and moving forward and going through those punches that life gives you. Kind of like an actor. You got to find your motivation. I guess so. Yeah. A method actor. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like it. We also have Freightonomics on Wednesdays right afterwards, so stay for a double feature. Michael Vincent in his freight forecasting is at 4 o'clock. I like it because he's really digging into showing you how to build charts within Sonar, telling you what each little widget means. It's basically... Sonar 101. For yeah. a lot of people who have it and they really want to dive into it, not only is he teaching you how to freight forecast, he's also teaching you how to use the tool. So that's been great. That is Thursdays at 4 o'clock. And then Friday, 1 o'clock, we got What the Truck again. Well, 2 o'clock, we got a live Freightways Insiders with special guests Oh, yes. Transport. How can I forget? On Thursday, yeah. yes. 2 p.m. And so if you we missed last week, well, if you missed two weeks ago, you missed her episode of Insiders mm-hmm. last week. You missed Craig Fuller's. You know, a lot of the Freightways story in those two pre coronavirus freightway story uh <laughs> so if you are social distancing you have a little yeah. time on your hands yeah Go tune oh, in plenty to binge watch on the freightways tv lot. app tv.freightways.com yeah. yeah. or the so, app yeah yep and subscribe to freightcast for every single freightways podcast you can find comment section rodeo that's oh, not that's not even a close one i know getting a little I'm, ahead I'm of yourself have to use the original theme to close us with all right. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. You can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. She's at Emily Zink, S-Z-I-N-K. And I'm Chad Prevost. That's at TV's Chad Prevost. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you all who are self-quarantined, who are forcibly quarantined, who are about to be quarantined, to Harrison for exhibiting better sanitation habits with his hands. He does a great job out there. To Connor, the intern, nice who's been job, monitoring Harrison. your comments online. Has this been sanitized? Jeff Edmonds, Cassandra Gaines, Victor Leone, and to our special guest who came up from Legacy, Sabrina. Yeah. Sabrina Potter. Catch you later.